Okay, good. On to Galatians. More Galatians. We're loving Galatians. So, um, Galatians 4. Let's pray first off. So, talked about how do we, how do we preach with a kingdom dynamic? Well, we ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's very simple. I said in first service, I don't know any other way of doing this. All right? And I'm going to, I, you know, I trust that I'm preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. You need to trust that you are engaging with this in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. That you are uh, tapping into the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is going to speak to you this morning. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you amongst us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's contained in here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are just moving amongst us. And we say... Just can we come in expectation of faith that we will be transformed, that we will go out today not the same. Thank you for your glorious truth and life. Amen. All right, Galatians 4, 8 to 20. If you want to turn to that, but I'll also put it up on the screen here and we'll read through. So I'm going to read it. it Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, providing the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Do you enjoy the freedom that you have in Jesus? Oh, yes. I love that. That's a very good. We've got an oh, yes over there. Oh, yes. They've scrapped the Churchill advert, haven't they? It's a shame, but it's uh, it's good. Otherwise, you could have had some work there, Phil. Um, Do you you ever want to be enslaved again? No. No. Do you ever want to go back to that? No. That's what Paul is uh, talking about in this passage. He's He's concerned that the Galatians are in danger of slipping back into their old ways of thinking, of forgetting who they are in Jesus. And in this passage, you can hear the concern in his voice, can't you? You can hear the passion that he has for them, that he wants the best for them, that he doesn't want them to slip back into slavery. You see that in verse 19. It says, my dear children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth. Interestingly, you know, I'm again in the pains of childbirth in that, you know, Paul almost birthed this church in Galatia, that he was the kind of the formative influence and then he's saying, once again, I'm, almost, I'm in so much pain for you because I've got so much concern about you. And then it says, verse 20, how I wish I could be with you now. And 
change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. Paul is aware that he is writing a letter at this point and that the ability to convey really how you're feeling to someone and your degree of concern and love for them is limited in the written form. We have this when we email, don't we? Have you ever noticed that there are some things that you try and put across in email and then it turns out the other person did not feel it came across quite that way? It turns out, as I've discovered, sarcasm. One of the things does not go well across email. Or what I've put across that I think in person, if I can put it across with a cheeky smile, people will perceive as a, you know, that I'm just a slight correction, that I'm wanting the best for them by email, it comes across as a rather fierce rebuke and that I hate their guts. <laughs> So Paul is trying to put this across. He tries to try and reassure them. And he's saying, you know, almost uh, in verse 16, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? He's saying, I'm just trying to kind of get you back on track, trying to reset you with the truth here because I love you, because actually I carry you like a, you know, and actually such concern for you, like a mother in labor for a child willing to go through that kind of discomfort. And he says, I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. Not trying to make them feel guilty, but saying, guys, don't slip back into your old ways of thinking. You have so much good, so much that's glorious. Don't just slide back into your previous pattern. And the problems come from forgetting who you are in Christ. This passage follows on. Uh, well, obviously, from the rest of the book of Galatians, where Paul has been making his case for salvation by faith and by grace alone. Not by works, not by the law, of living by the Holy Spirit and the absolute importance of this. And he states clearly in chapter 3, verse 26, that we're all children of God through faith in Christ. That's what I spoke on last week in the morning. Then he goes on to say, we're no longer slaves but sons and heirs of God, which Rob preached on last Sunday evening. And that's the key thing that Paul has done up to this point. Saying he's established who we are in Christ, where our identity rests. You're not slaves anymore. You're children of God through faith. And then in this passage, verse 8 to 20, he's saying, just don't forget it. Don't forget who you are. Don't be dragged back into slavery saying, remember who you are, you're free. Don't get enslaved again. Don't turn back to weak and miserable principles. Because we all do have a tendency, sometimes I feel, to slip one way or other. Um, We sometimes, we slip either into, I've labelled this two ends of a, what seem like two ends of a spectrum. Although I'll say up front, both of these are actually aspects of our former selves. Neither of these is the right way. That we have on one side what we perceive as license, that idea of do anything. If it's sinful, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, hang on. No, you know, no consequences. And we end up engaging in behavior that is destructive to ourselves and destructive to other people that harms our relationships and ultimately brings misery. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got this legalism idea, this moralistic, self-righteous kind of way of thinking that says, I've got to follow the rules, that I have to earn my way into God's blessing and God's kingdom. That, you know, that religious, legalistic thinking that says, 
you know, how do I make sure I'm righteous by following the rules? It does then tend to spill into how we interact with other people. Because if you're legalistic about yourself, you tend to then kind of portray that onto other people. You tend to try and make them legalistic as well. Just as miserable as you are. <laughs> you know, it's that, how do I make sure other people are following the rules? Because the rules, are, that's what's really important. You know what people need here? A healthy dose of guilt. People felt more guilty, they'd follow the rules more. Be less chaotic. All this mess that's going on, if people just stuck to the rules, this would all be sorted. Who are you, who are you accountable to? Are you following the rules? Who do you confess to? And as I said before, actually it is important to be accountable to one another and to share when we're struggling uh, but that's not all that accountability is. I think I've mentioned before that true accountability is calling out the greatness with one another and is saying, are you living fully in line with who God says you are, with the freedom that you have in Christ? Are you using the unique gifts that God has given you fully? Are you seeking to grow in faith? Are you living in the glorious freedom according to the truth of the gospel? Rather than, are you following the rules? And sometimes we feel that if we get somewhere midway between these two lines, that we're handling it okay, that maturity looks like finding the zone of balance in the middle, where you say, you know what, I'm doing all right. I'm not going off, I'm not being a complete anarchist and just doing every sinful behavior under the sun, but also I'm not being too moral and self-righteous and being too critical of myself and others. I'm somewhere, I, I'm just in the middle. I've got that balance. That's where Jesus likes it. Just right there in the middle. Because okay? you get people as well. People that don't know Jesus. That don't have this freedom. That's often how, how we, we, you know, before Christ. It's how we tend to justify ourselves, isn't it? We're saying, well look, I don't do anything too bad. Yeah? I, I'm not away on that end of the spectrum. And also, I'm not a religious bigot. So, yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm sure God's okay with that. Well, the truth is no. There's no zone of balance because neither of these are in keeping with your identity in Christ. Both of these are your old self. Okay? Your old self that has no power, that is not free from sin, but is also always seeking to justify itself and desperately try and earn its way into some form of self-righteousness. Now, the truth that Paul is putting across is neither of these are the right ways. Both of these are ways that we can fall away from our true pattern of thinking, fall away from who we really are in Christ. Both of these are ways of just slipping away from that. Whereas actually what happens is you're taken completely above both of those. You are given a new life in Christ that is completely different from either of those models that says it doesn't depend on you. That says you are free. Your identity is in Christ. Okay? You have true freedom. And you are saved by grace. Because this brings the, the genuine aspects of the kingdom. Of freedom and of grace. A freedom to be all, who you are, all of who God has called you to be. A freedom to live magnificently and joyfully in his kingdom. And of freedom from sin. 
Because what we perceive as license that I can do anything that I like before we say, before we know Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, we think, I'm free, I can do anything we like. No, we weren't free. We were slaves to sin. All right? Have you ever, in your own strength, tried going an entire day without screwing up? <laughs> it's quite hard work. <laughs> All right? It doesn't, that's not easy. You don't have the power to do that. It's why we find ourselves without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit. People find themselves trapped in repetitive patterns of behavior, of sinful habits, of things that they go, oh, no, this is, this has ruined my last three relationships. And now it's going to bust this one. And I'm trapped in that cycle. I feel like I should be free because I'm doing whatever I like. But it turns out that I'm not free to like the right things. So we're set wonderfully, uh, abundantly free. You're not bound by sin anymore. And so the wonderful pattern of that, it shifts from that mindset. And then they've got grace as well, which is the wonderful antidote to legalism, which is saying you don't have to be moralistic. You don't have to be that self-righteous, superior person that no one likes in true actuality. <laughs> that you have to just say, hey, I'm saved by grace. It's in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone that I find my identity and that I am saved just by his blood and his sacrifice. If you think your way all the way back to the first sermon on Galatians where Mark Henley preached, he said, any time that you get Jesus plus something, you get nothing. Any time that we say, you need something else in addition to Jesus to be saved, no, that's blown in out the water. You have Jesus and nothing else. Okay, and you have that wonderful freedom, and in that in that power, when it comes to our attitude towards sin, it's not that I must not do that, otherwise I'm not righteous. It's I don't have to do that because it no longer has a hold on me, because I'm no, I'm no longer a slave to that, because that doesn't that's not the power that I'm living under. I am set abundantly free. I don't have to do that, and I don't have to you know. Whilst what I live, I live every step and I can live everything in wonderful worship to Jesus without worrying that I have to follow the rules for him to love me. All right? You know that legalism is not Christianity gone too far. This is really important. All right? It is not the kingdom that has overstretched its boundaries. We sometimes see it as legalism as being kind of, you know, the, the kind of really kind of far end of the of the christian spectrum no no it's of a different spirit all right it is not christianity if you're doubting how strong scripture puts this in 1 timothy chapter 4 it describes legalism as the doctrine of demons because it is put there to come between people and the true knowledge of Jesus, which comes by grace and grace alone. All right? Don't partner with it. Don't partner with legalism. It never has the answer. What Paul is saying, remember who you are. Okay? At some point, we have to start believing 2 Corinthians 5 that says we're new creations. We're not bound by that anymore. Remember who you are. That's what Paul is saying. How many of you have seen The Lion King? Yeah. Lion King, the original. I think. Anyone might be good. 
Okay? And there's this wonderful scene in The Lion King where you've got Simba, who's you know, the heir to the throne. He should be king. He's an adult lion now. He should be ruling at Pride Rock or, or wherever it is that the lions hang out in The Lion King. But he's not. He's in a wasteland with a warthog and a meerkat for reasons best known to himself. Uh, and, uh, like, <laughs> and, and he's miserable and he's in power and he's feeling despondent and he knows that he should be reigning somewhere. And then he has this dramatic encounter in some form of lion spirit realm, which I don't quite understand, where his dead father comes and speaks to him, Mufasa. Now, Mufasa corrects him, but he doesn't say, you need to get your act together and go back to Pride Rock and just crack on. He says, you need to remember who you are. Interestingly, first off, Mufasa, the, the, the father says, you've forgotten who I am. And then he says, and out of that, you've forgotten who you are, because I am in you. Remarkably gospel message, isn't it, the Lion King? Uh, apart from the pagan witch, Dr. Monkey. You know, no, like, <laughs> like, um, like not, not, uh, not all analogies are perfect. But <laughs> okay. Uh, but he says... Uh, yeah, he says, remember who you are. You have forgotten who you are, and that's why you are in this wasteland, not living out your destiny and not reigning. Jesus says, remember who you are. Remember which spirit you're partnering with. Okay? You are no longer partnering with the sinful nature. You are no longer partnering with the religious spirit that brings legalism you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Bad things happen when we forget who we are and when we partner with the wrong spirit. There's that example in Luke chapter 9 where James and John say, hey, should we call down fire and destroy these people? And Jesus says, uh, uh, no. <laughs> and then he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. He's saying, that's not you. That's not who we are. Jesus saying, it's not who I am. <laughs> Remember who you are. Right? That's the key. Whenever we're struggling, whenever we're prone to be overly moralistic, overly legalistic, I need to remind myself, who am I in Jesus? Whenever I'm feeling weak, tempted towards sin or just struggling, I need to remember, I'm a new creation. If it helps by illustration, imagine that your redeemed self is singing to you the back, back catalogue of Simple Minds. All right? Uh, do we have many Simple Minds fans in... No, who was here in the 80s? No, you're there. Anyway, imagine your redeemed self is singing to you. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> That's why they don't give me one of these mics. All right, that's right there. <laughs> right. And your redeemed self, your new creation, is waving a flag going, hey, 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 no, don't forget me. Do not forget who you are. Do not be trapped again by weak and miserable principles. 
It says, don't slide back to that. Weak and miserable. There is no power and there is no joy. When you let yourself become enslaved again. When you let yourself slide back. All right? There is no power because you're trying to do things in your own strength. And it depends on your own effort. And you get nowhere and you get despondent and it gets frustrating. Don't slip back into following rules and regulations. Uh, we've heard, uh, my dad was a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago, Galatians 3. Where he says, having begun by the Spirit, don't then continue by human effort. It's all the same argument. It's the same principles there. Don't slip back into relying on self-righteousness or of your own, uh, your, your own effort. You're saved by grace. You need to live by grace as well. You're saved by the power of Jesus. You need to live by the power of Jesus. Very simple. Okay? And then there's no joy because it relies on self-righteousness. And it just brings, in the end, despondency and guilt when you realize that you of yourself without Jesus can never measure up to that. And Paul says, what has happened to all of your joy? Or another translation is, where is that sense of blessing that you had? Because that just gets eaten away, doesn't it? When we let ourselves get, you know, it slides back into those weak and foolish principles. How do you know you're slipping back into legalism or that you're, you're no longer living by the Spirit? Well, you lose your joy. Okay? How do you spot someone who's legalistic in the environment? They sap the joy out of the place. <laughs> Right? That's why, as I commented in first service, I'm fairly certain that Patrick is not legalistic. <laughs> is this a joyful dude right here? <laughs> All right? This is a joyful man who lives by the Spirit. Okay? So, the, yeah. Don't slide back into that. If you realize you're thinking, oh, this just feels, feels hard work. And this feels miserable, thinking, have I forgotten who I am? Don't you forget about me. And then I'll put it to you, and then we'll wrap up, because I want to just pray and we'll release some of this stuff over ourselves. Hey, what's the good news about these weak and miserable principles? Well, you're not bound by them anymore. (laughs) All right. You don't, you don't need to be weak and miserable. That's not who you are. What are you called to be? Powerful and joyful. <laughs> All right. That's the true fruit of our identity. It's the opposite of weak and miserable. You are powerful and joyful. That is who you are as a people. Put it to the other way if you want to put those together. You are powerfully joyful. <laughs> Your joy, when you get to bring that joy, like, like Patrick said, it never depends on circumstances. It rests on the person of Jesus. And you get to bring that joy into whichever environment that you go into. That is powerful. That transforms places. People go, ooh. Because joy is attractive, isn't it? People want some of that. People look and go, oh. Oh, that's joyful. And then that's powerful there. And I can say also, you can be joyfully powerful. 
All right. You have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead residing in you. You get to bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. You get to bring the miraculous, the transforming elements. You have the power to transform the world around you. And that should be fun. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yes. There are seasons when we persevere. And there are times when we experience sorrow. And we worship God through all circumstances. But what we always know is that deep residing joy that the Holy Spirit rests within us. Okay? And that as we are outworking the greatness of the kingdom, that we are filled with that inexpressible joy. I am working for something that can't be shaken. Alright, I am powerful and I am shifting the world around me. I don't need to be miserable. My identity is in Christ. I am completely secure in who I am because it never rested on me in the first place. And now I get to outwork that with great joy. Amen. Would you, would you stand? Would you stand with me? God's going to be pouring out power now, and he's going to be pouring out joy. (laughs) You looking forward to that? Okay. How do we access it? Just by welcoming the Holy Spirit. Okay. (laughs) So, we say, Holy Spirit, (laughs) you are welcome among us. (laughs) It's so easy. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we delight in just resting in you. We don't need to strive. We don't need to earn it. That you are just pouring out your goodness and your power. That you are pouring out. That you are transforming us to be a joyful, powerful people. Jesus, remind us of who we are in you. Of the dignity that we have in you. Of the authority that we have in you. Authority to be a blessing. To steward the world. Oh, thank you that through us, wherever we go, you pour out your joy and power to all those around us. Why don't you guys just start to do that to one another now? Just lay, lay hands on one another <laughs> and just start to pour out joy and power through the Holy Spirit. <laughs>